I was on council, these numbers may have changed under the recent administration, but only 30% of our employees are female. Out of how many employees do we have? Uh, I don't know. 800 plus. But that, as I have pointed out in the past, is very disturbing to me. Now, uh, I have to apologize for uh, uh, so abruptly, without warning, throwing Sherry Myers at you uh, early on in the Thursday morning. <laughs> but Because uh, she, city, former city councilwoman, Sherry Myers, uh, raising her concerns uh, about how at the city of Pensacola, at least when she was on council, which she is not now, uh, Charles Bear took her place on District 2. She, uh, you know, uh, termed out, if I, I believe, gosh, retired or termed out? I forget now. Anyway, um, after 12 years. And I think termed out. Anyway, um, that there aren't enough women working in Pensacola City. And you heard the mayor there briefly say, you know, around 800 employees. And uh, she went on. This is during a discussion about the pay raise that got passed by the city council. The kind of not not really across the board, but a very substantial pay raise for employees of the city. And she said, you know, look, that's all good. But here's the problem I have. And we're not doing enough to recruit women, retain women, put women into non-traditional roles where they've been excluded historically, and we're not paying them enough even when we do. There are some departments that don't even have women, sanitation being one of them. So when I ask about sanitation, I think we may have one woman uh, driving a truck now. There were no women. And those are actually pretty good-paying jobs. They are. They are. But, see, the reason I want to talk about this a little bit today is because we have these kind of persistent ideological challenges that some people have when it comes to seeing how, for example, employment works. And this is a good example of it. When you look at something like, let's take the example of sanitation, which actually does have females now that comes up later in the meeting. But let's just say there's no females working at sanitation. Or let's say there's not enough compared to the population. Absolutely true. I mean, in the sense that it's under women are underrepresented in sanitation. But why is that? Is that because of bias or sexism or some kind of barrier to entry for women in sanitation? I mean, logically, that's a possibility. Okay. Is it because even though there's no real structural barrier, there's kind of a historical lower number of women in sanitation just because of a variety of factors? And because there haven't been that many women in sanitation, there aren't many women, you know, young girls growing up dreaming of becoming truck, uh, you know, uh, uh, trash truck drivers or pickup people, right? So they don't see other women doing the job. So representation, visibility, these are kind of phrases that you hear a lot of times when people are talking about these issues. Uh, that's a possibility, right? That's a possibility. Um, a third possibility, uh, women don't want to be trash men. <laughs> I, just, I mean, just, uh, it's, a, it's a third possibility, right? Now, that could be because they don't view the pay being good enough. Maybe because they don't just... They don't like the idea of working in that environment. It's not a particularly, you know, it's a smelly, dirty, messy environment. You say, well, don't they change diapers? Sure. I mean, yeah, but it's not like women can't do messy things. But I'm, there may be just, I'm putting it out there. It may be that aggregated across the entire population of the city of Pensacola and environs that, and by the way, this is true national. This is not something unique to us, that, um, Women just don't dream of driving trash trucks and picking up trash for a living. And 
even if they consider it as a possibility, they say, eh. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what, or could be, okay, could be. Uh, there are physical differences between men and women, and it could be that the physical activity of picking up cans, I mean, driving the truck is not as much, but, you know, physically picking up and throwing and picking up and throwing and picking up and throwing, that over the course of all the women in the, in, in the population who might otherwise work in that field and all the men in the population might otherwise work in that field, not a lot of women say, that's for me. Now, is that sexism or is that the basic differences between men and women? Now, I say the latter. Could there also be sexism? Could there also be an unwillingness? I, I mean, could be. Sure, could be. Could it be that there are so few women in the field that, like the few who go into it, like just they don't stay, they leave because they feel like that's not for them. I mean, those are all possibilities. But when you just kind of put it out there on the breakfast table for discussion and ask yourself in, an, in a moment where nobody's looking and all you got to do is ask your own sense of how the world works, do you think the main reason why we don't have more women working on trash trucks in the city of Pensacola is because of structural sexism in the workplace or because men look at a job like that and say, sure. And women look at a job like that and say, nah, I don't think so. See, common sense to me says that. Now, if you found it in a different kind of setting, you have to give a different kind of analysis. But, I mean, look, we have a historically far more women or far fewer women want to go into fire than men, right? Far fewer women. I mean, there are more in, you know, PFD than kind of anywhere else. In fact, that came up in the conversation is, you know, they've actually hired more. And because, you know, we have a chief who's a, a, a woman, right? Okay, Jenny Craner. And yet, ask yourself the question, how many girls at the age of 15 are dreaming about working in the fire department? Can they? Yes. Are there differences between the sexes? Yes. It's a physical activity. It takes strength and stamina and inconvenient hours and all kinds of stuff that maybe men would prefer to women or women look at and think, you know, balancing all of the interests in my life off against that, I, I come away saying no. So you can try to create gender parity by representational number in your workforce and it might just be that the workforce is not desirable to the people of the gender you're trying to cultivate. And you can wail and moan about that, or you can say, well, that's just kind of the way the world is. And to me, I say that's just kind of the way the world is. But you got to always look out. And fair enough, you got to look out to make sure that you're not creating artificial barriers. But, I mean, look at it a little bit different way. When you think of a world in which half of the people throwing trash cans and driving trash trucks are women, I mean, seriously, ask yourself this question. When you think of that world, are you like, oh, my God, a paradise? <laughs> or do you think something has sort of gone wrong with us that we think that's an achievement, that getting a whole lot of women into the field of throwing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but... It's kind of a filthy, nasty job that I don't know that I brag about a world in which the best option for a significant number of our women is to do that. 
You say, is that is that sexism? Well, is believing that there are differences in the genders and that there are things that men maybe would be better at or maybe, you know, it's okay to let them do and not, maybe not as okay to let women do as often? Like it's kind of better if that's the case? Is that sexism? Well, it's a belief in the differences in the sexes. Is that the same as exclusion? I mean, you decide. It's my view. I think I'm not alone in this view. 437-1620. Now, it was interesting. Feel free to disagree with me. 437-1620. It is interesting because Sherry Myers, this is kind of her way of approaching a lot of these issues is to, to complain about how there's not equality in these things. And I like the fact that uh, two of our three female representatives on city council stood up and said, I don't think that you're up to speed on all this stuff, how it's currently looking. I just want to say that I am incredibly proud that this mayor took it upon himself to look at the salaries and to try to bring so many people up to a more livable wage. And he did. That's Jen Brayer, city councilman Jen Brayer. You had asked, like, the number of women firefighters, and I'm going to get this wrong, and, and she's going to get this right, but it was something like we only had two, I don't know, 4%, 3%. But the reality was we were well over, because I asked you to look this up, we were over the national average, true? We are right at that council president, members of council. We are right at the national. Okay, so we're at the national average now. That's Jenny Craner, the uh, fire chief, you know, answering the question about fire. There's sometimes, like with sanitation, I don't believe that people are unwilling to hire women. It's that there has not traditionally been women in these fields, and I think that you have someone like Chief who's out there walking around being proud. I mean, that's going to attract young girls more than anything we can do up here. We have a fire department that I think by any objective measure you would have to say is as pro-female as it could possibly be. And yet we're still not above the national average in terms of female representation among the fire. So which is it? Again, you know, avoid barriers as much as you can, but just because you don't get 50-50 doesn't mean that the thing itself is excluding people. It could just be that, you know, not as many women want to be firefighters or not as many women want to work on trash trucks. And uh, Tenny Day Broughton, you know, also spoke. And again, I appreciate them speaking up about this. It's it's this weird thing where, like, if the guys on council were like, Ms. Myers, please. <laughs> if, if they take my approach, right, then, well, that's just what guys say, you know. Right. That's kind of the reaction that it's going to be dismissed. It's like people are going to, you know, somebody's going to say, well, you know, that Andrew McKay, he's such a sexist. That's why he's he's a guy. That's why he's saying this. Okay, I mean, you know, I get it. You don't want to engage the ideas. That's fine. You want to blow it off as being, you know, some ad hominem attack against uh, or it's technically a genetic fallacy. It becomes it's based on the root of the person uh, saying the thing that the who they are prevents them from seeing the truth or saying the true thing. Okay, so I appreciate that the women stood up and said something here because. They needed to push back on this. And here's what uh, she says. Here's what Tanya Day Broughton said. Just the other morning, I saw that my new delivery or the new trash, what do you call them, sanitation worker, I guess, was a woman. And I'd never seen that before. I'd never had a woman who picked up the trash in my, I've never seen that in my life. I will just say that much. But um, so there's that. And then I know you probably haven't been up here in a while, but it's teaming with ladies up there. <laughs> Love that. And. I, actually, I'm, I'm. I was proud to see it. So, I can say that the city's working on it, and I see now more than I ever have since I've been here. So, there's been a lot of progress. 
Just wanted you to know that. So, again, just sometimes you have to remember that you may have been taught, programmed, you know, propagandized with a view of how the world is supposed to be that just isn't compatible with how the world actually works. And then you get frustrated because the world isn't, you know, how you think it's supposed to be based on some unachievable, misguided standard of gender equality. And what you should be doing is saying, okay, have we really gotten rid of, you know, the important barriers? Are we doing what we can? Uh, And then when you get a result that shows disparate employment in something like sanitation or fire or whatever, again, is that a problem or is that just that's what happens when you fix the problems and you let people apply who want to apply? I mean, I don't know, not to pick sort of really trivial examples, but somebody texted me, and this is kind of funny, they texted and said, well, you know, it's interesting that, um, you know, men are historically very underrepresented at uh, at Lane Bryant. <laughs> right? I mean, you go into the makeup counter at the department store, and do you see men or do you see women? And, I mean, you say, well, it's because, you know, Nobody wants to see a man do that job. Nobody wants to get their makeup sold for a man. Oh, well, by the way, that would be sexism. That would be a barrier to inclusion, right? Just like somebody would say, well, nobody wants to see, going back a ways, you know, nobody wants to see a black person doing that job because they're racist. Well, we don't cater to that, right? So if that's your answer, it's just customers and market demands. But see, that would actually be a structural barrier that's kind of built into the system and you're justifying it. And the answer is that men just don't want to do that job, even if it pays good. <laughs> you know, that's, and that's going to be true, too. So anyway, I just uh, generally I like to make a call for common sense. And, you know, don't give up your observations about how the world actually is just because somebody coming out of college with a view that they were taught in grad school and then they have propagated across the culture. And you're supposed to believe that that view is normal and right isn't actually manifesting even in a world that's not running afoul of any of the egregious violations of decency and fairness and justice uh, that we all think are important. 525 on News Radio 923 informative local dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. I have diabetes. I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. I have asthma. I'm at risk too. If you're 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, COPD, or heart disease, or are 65 or older, you are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a Pfizer vaccine that can help protect you against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Even if you've already been vaccinated with other pneumonia vaccines, Prevnar 20 may help provide added protection. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. 
The cooler weather in Pensacola is a great time of the year for gardening, whether it's planting roses, planting shrubs and trees and cool weather color, and of course, planning for spring. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesdays, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. Sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping, Barnes Feed Store, and Lucky's Pine Straw. Delicious seafood is what you'll find at David's Catfish House. David's Catfish serves only the best Mississippi catfish and fresh Gulf seafood, as well as generous portions of their delicious southern sides. Back by popular demand, every Thursday is Shrimptastic Thursday, featuring $5 off their popcorn shrimp dinner or all-you-can-eat popcorn shrimp dinner. Serving fresh seafood daily, visit David's Catfish House on Dogwood Drive in Milton and New Warrington Road in Pensacola. Welcome to David's, where southern and seafood meet. News Radio 92.3 gets you live programming every day from 5 a.m. until 7 p.m. on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Isn't it a little big? It's not big, it's just full. Dad, that thing wouldn't fit in our yard. Not going in our yard, Russ. It's going in our living room. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. And what was in those ships all three Oh, Christmas man, I learned a, a fact, uh, just a piece of information that I did not know, and it really blew my mind. This is one of those, like, you can win if you have such a thing. You can win the trivia contest at your family Christmas dinner or your dinner coming up after Christmas, um, which is that, you know, Christmas vacation, remember the very, very old couple, like, where his hat catches on fire, and they bring the cat that's trapped up inside the box, and she's, you know, just loopy, right, okay, and she does the, the Pledge of Allegiance national anthem as the prayer, right? Um, the actress who plays Aunt Bethany is Mae Kestel, Q-U-E-S-T-E-L. She was also the voice of, this will... If you don't know this, this is going to mess you up, but here you go. She was the voice of Minnie Mouse, Felix the Cat, what? Olive Oil in Popeye, oh. and Betty Boop. I was about to say Betty Boop, I figured. Yeah, I mean, yeah. wow, talk about a career, man. <laughs> and, you know, it's just... Grace. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Grace. Uh, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Good morning. Hold on, let me pull my... Thing up here. Uh, all right, the mayors of Chicago. <laughs> that didn't sound. You want right. to rephrase? <laughs> Let me pull my script up. Sorry, I was on another window. <laughs> Let's live go radio, on. folks. Live go radio. On. An innuendo. <laughs> you wanted to just uh. leave it for me now. <laughs> Take another shot. I Good morning. It. With your news headlines, I love I'm David. You so much, David. The go uh, on. mayors of Chicago, Denver, and New York. See, now you got me going. See what you're doing here. The mayors of Chicago, Denver, and New York are uh, pleading for federal help now dealing with the growing number of migrants being bused into their cities. A virtual press conference was held yesterday. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson says all three cities are running out of places to put the migrants. They need to open a new window. Five (laughs) thirty. Oh, man. No, Jake, we're not going to get fired. Everything's good. Everything's good. I'm worried. (laughs) Don't be so worried. Oh, man. That's two days in a row, though. I'm back from vacation. We're having way too much fun on the radio. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back with actual news soon.
Fox News, I'm Gianna Gelosi. Mexican and U.S. officials appeared to reach an agreement on migrants on the shared border. Mexico's top diplomat saying the meeting was very good and details will be released in a joint statement. Secretary of State Antony Blinken led those closed-door negotiations. Local leaders, meanwhile, say the Biden administration has to step up and provide solutions to the migrant crisis. For now, they're taking matters into their own hands. New York City Mayor Eric Adams with an announcement yesterday. I'm announcing an executive order requiring charter buses transporting migrants, those often contracted by the state of Texas, to provide 32 hours notice in advance of their arrival into New York City. The Republican Party of Colorado asking the Supreme Court to step in so Donald Trump can appear on the primary ballot in the state. America is listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 at News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. Right now we've got clear skies. It's 47 degrees in Pensacola. And if you feel that chill in the air right now, well, we're experiencing just the first in a series of cold fronts that are going to affect the state of Florida. We're looking at temps over the weekend, probably just in the 60s and overnight lows could drop into the 40s. That is meteorologist Will Redman. He says uh, central Florida can expect lows uh, in the 40s and even the lower 30s, and a stronger cold front uh, is expected coming up here later this week. And, of course, we'll get more on our local forecast and what's coming up over the weekend with Channel 3 here in just a few minutes. With the new year, there's going to be hundreds of new laws possibly going into effect here in Florida. One of them will have to do with the state's move-over law that requires motorists to move to the side of... Uh, move to the side for law enforcement or emergency vehicles with flashing lights. Representative Alex Andrade sponsored an update to that law that will require you to move over to another lane if you see any car stopped or stranded on the side of the road. When someone is, you know, obviously in distress when they're out of their vehicle, they're in a really vulnerable position and um, and encouraging folks to to move over the same way they do right now uh, when a law enforcement officer is pulled over in the same location on the side of a road. It was just something that was, uh, you know, I considered important and good policy. And uh, Andrade tells Channel 3 that that'll go into effect on Monday. According to FHP, they've issued 335 move-over citations in northwest Florida over the last year. City of Pensacola celebrating 2023 is a successful year in terms of securing grant money for various city projects. Mayor D.C. Reeves says a dedicated grants office was needed. The city hired William Boyer and Joel uh, Joel Holland in February. The thing I'm most proud of is $72 million plus the urgency we have. You know, right, because the idea was to free up all of these department directors that have a million things going on and not to stop them in their tracks to go to apply for a grant, which isn't their expertise necessarily. Boyer came to the city after previously serving as the executive grants assistant for the city of Milton. Holland was the grants manager coordinator for Escambia County Public Schools. A controversial symbol of Florida's past is, well, no longer visible. In Jacksonville yesterday, Jacksonville removed a Confederate monument from their Springfield Park. That monument was dedicated to the women of the Confederacy. It had been installed in the park in 1915. An area mother and father now searching for their daughter after she walked out of a treatment facility uh, for uh, a a local addiction treatment center for women this week. She's a beautiful young girl and very kind-hearted and very vulnerable. She would probably walk away with anyone. That is Anna Lawson. She says her 24-year-old daughter, Isabel, walked out of the treatment center for women in Pensacola 
the woman reportedly did not have a phone or identification on her at the time. They say the girl was once a promising model but ended up falling into addiction. She was last seen uh, on the cir- at the Circle K and Cervantes in North Davis. If you have any information on Isabel Lawson's location, you're asked to contact the Pensacola Police Department. It is 535 at News Radio 92.3. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather forecast for this morning. We are going to have a much cooler afternoon today. Sunny skies, high near 53 degrees. Overnight tonight, getting very cold. Temperatures dropping near 35 degrees. As you go into Friday, sunny skies continue with a high near 52. Friday night, temperatures dropping near 36 degrees. For Saturday, a nice sunny and cold pattern does continue, 55 degrees. Saturday night, temperatures dropping near 40. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Burke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. And right now, 47 degrees in Pensacola, 50 in Golf Breeze, 47 in Milton. Our next news at 6 o'clock. Breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Ready for intelligent and thought-provoking conversation? Tune in to The Guy Benson Show on News Radio Pensacola. Weekdays from 2 till 4 p.m. on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Guy Benson, the brilliant and charismatic host, brings you a fresh perspective on the biggest stories of the day. Guy keeps you engaged and informed. Don't miss out on the intellectual thrill ride. Tune in to The Guy Benson Show on News Radio Pensacola from 2 till 4 p.m. It's the show that'll challenge your thinking and leave you wanting more on News Radio Pensacola. Hey, Dave Ramsey here. For almost a decade, I've been telling you about my friends at Frontier Motors in Pensacola. The biggest reason is they help my listeners save thousands of dollars when purchasing a slightly used car over a brand new one. Consumer Reports says the average new car depreciates a whopping $9,200 in the first year alone. That's crazy. So if you're thinking new, don't. Go see Frontier Motors and see how much they can save you on a current year car with very low miles. And if your goal is to get out of debt, bring Frontier Motors your car and they can write you a check on the spot. Frontier Motors can also do consignments and they don't charge a fee or a commission. Frontier Motors have been helping the people in the Pensacola area for 21 years. They are the go-to dealer for free advice when it comes to buying or selling a car. Please go see my friends at Frontier Motors. And don't forget to tell them Dave Ramsey sent you. I've been collecting watches since around 2018. Uh, Made my first big purchase thinking that was going to be my only watch. When you're looking at watches and you're doing them online or if you're in the secondary market, it can be scary because there's a lot of fakes. And I really do focus in on coming into an authorized dealer like Berets for any of the Omega or Breitling purchases. They will let you try it on, take pictures, go home, think about it, and just really set your mind at ease. Come visit us at Beret Jewelers. At Penair Credit Union, we know that road trips don't start by driving into the sunset. A day at the beach doesn't begin with packing the car. Even car shopping doesn't really start at the dealership. Your new car journey begins with an auto loan pre-approval from Penair Credit Union. Because at Penair, auto financing is easy. And when you get pre-approval before you shop, you'll be ready to hit the road when you find the perfect car. Get started at penair.org slash car loan. Whether it's new, used, or refinanced, vehicle loans from Penair Credit Union fit you perfectly. Federally insured by NCUA Equal Opportunity Lender. All the big national news in a conversation with Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins from 11 till 2 on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable.
resolution of the City Council of the City of Pensacola, Florida, ratifying the City of Pensacola as an establishment of equal employment opportunity. Yeah. A resolution of the City Council of the City of Pensacola, Florida, Florida, ratifying the City of Pensacola as a Title VI establishment. A resolution of the City Council of the City of Pensacola, Florida, ratifying the City of Pensacola as an establishment of affirmative action. See, I knew it. This D.C. Reeves is going to get in office and he's just going to completely change the, the nature of uh, Pensacola. He's going <laughs> to... I, I I could just hear that in even myself, like, but on behalf of some people who would probably hear all this this way when they were going through these uh, quick time resolutions about these various things like affirmative action, Title VI, and equal opportunity uh, during the, the most recent meeting. And uh, I love that, you know, partway through this, the mayor actually stopped and said, can I just explain for a second why we're doing this? Because I bet somebody's wondering. He did such a good job explaining. I want to let him do the same thing here. Uh, we had him on yesterday, uh, talk with him about this and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, mayor DC Reeves, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News. Happy New Year. Uh, Merry Christmas. Thanks for having me. So equal opportunity uh, title and affirmative action. Um not really massive changes to the way the city does business, but still important things to do officially because? Uh, because of grant money. Um, and that's why. But, the it, yeah, exactly like you said, I didn't want someone coming in waxing philosophical saying that we're trying to change a bunch of things at the city, how the city government operates in a December meeting. Um, this is These are all things, actually, you said it doesn't change much. It doesn't change anything, uh, what we're doing at the city. Uh, at all. Uh, it's just a matter of it's got to be documented, uh, memorialized in some way uh, in terms of applying for state and federal grants. And so uh, that's why, again, nothing wrong with it. It just, if people are like, well, yeah, why is this out of left field that we're talking about all these philosophical um, type things? Uh, that is why. Uh, that was the genesis behind it. And that, you know, it's so funny because it's like you were talking to me. I heard the first, or I read the first one, I'm like, huh? And the second one, I'm like, no, what now? <laughs> <laughs> so, right. But but look, these are check boxes in order to make us eligible for certain grants. And um, you Correct. do have kind of a track record in your administration of being able to pick up a couple of bucks from grants. So um, the, the, only, the one I did want to ask about, though, is how. OK, so I get that doing this might make the checkbox essentially possible. But if it's not doing anything substantial in how we operate, like for the affirmative action one, do they not care that it doesn't change anything? Was it not enough before? What's the need to have the extra little official thing? I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not uh, 100% sure other than, um, you know, we've got amazing people that, as you said, have a, <laughs> an incredible track record, $72 million uh, front to back in nine months or so. Yeah, but what have you now, done for me lately? Um, I mean, come on. What have you done for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I honestly, I defer to the experts that have been so successful that just say, hey, you know, even if it's something that we do uh, already, that's already in HR policy or whatever. Um, these are just things that need to be documented. So uh, I don't really know, honestly, much more than that. Uh, but you know, I had this, I I asked the same questions you asked when when the first time I saw the agenda. And so um, you know, that's that's the explanation for it. Fair enough. I, and by the way, speaking of grants, uh, Jared Moore kind of had the suggestion, not suggestion, line of the night the other day. I think. Councilman Moore? Yeah, I was kind of in the same place, like with $26 million. We can't just, if we get to a place where we just flippantly uh, motion second and breeze by that, like that's that would be a great place to be, right? So I guess it's probably inappropriate to do a conga line around the chambers, but you know, maybe just a quick kudos uh, 
on that good work. I'm just saying, when you when you score a grant for $26 million for the Hollis Williams Stormwater Project and you actually ratify it, I don't mind a conga line. That's an appropriate time for a, 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 um, a city council conga line. Well, and look, I mean, it was a long meeting, and the Grinch wasn't there uh, this December. I know, so that we was the weird, time, too. I guess. You know, we could have had a time budgeted, so uh, I guess we could have busted that out. But I just, I do, I, I just want to make sure people have heard this, that uh, you said 72, $72 million in grants in the first year, um, and, you know, I know you would not claim that you did any of that, but you did create the department that is doing this, and that's the difference between having a department devoted to securing grants, right? Yeah, well, and, and look, you know, it wasn't that we weren't getting grants before. I mean, we were, but the thing I'm most proud of is $72 million plus the urgency we have, you know, right? Because the idea was to free up all of these department directors that have a million things going on and not to stop them in their tracks to go to apply for a grant, which isn't their expertise necessarily in, right. in, in some departments. You know, they're, they're, they're operators. They're not, I mean, I don't, I'm, it's not my expertise. I know that. I don't, I'm not a, I used to be a writer, but I'm not a grant writer. Uh, so, um, why don't we get someone waking up every day, focus on that, and then we get to let our department directors wake up every day and be, get a little more urgent in their departments. And so I think it's the combination of that, the $72 million plus just as many irons in the fire that we've got right now I think is what I'm really proud of is that combination. Yeah, look, I mean, it, this is one of those things where I, I really appreciate that you have done this. The you know Santa Rosa County has some fantab- fantastic grant writers. The city of Milton has at least one I know very very good grant writer, and um, Escambia County still hasn't come along. They they don't have a, you know, they are looking at it more. The department has just handled this stuff, and I you know I wish we would go this way because I think it works so effectively, and we you know we would be bringing in so much more money this way. Just a couple of like kind of housekeeping notes that are going to matter to people. One is that the new app goes live on January 1st. The old app will still be alive for a while. Is that right? For the parking? That's correct. And as a matter of fact, you can go ahead and download it now. I believe, do not hold me to it, but I believe it is live uh, now. Uh, you could actually use it. So even though the, all the signage, may, new signage may not be up, this app is so, so much stronger than the previous uh, Blue Lot app the Park Pensacola one that you may have on your phone. It's so much better. It'll find right where you are and all that. But, but yes, both will, we, we want to make sure that we uh, take baby steps here, that we don't want anybody getting a ticket that used the old app. Um, so we, we really don't even, right now it's indefinite how long we'll keep the old one up as well. So if you pay on the new one, Park Mobile, please move to that. But if you forget or, or you know, your parents or your grandparents don't, don't know to download it and it takes them a couple months we're going to try to keep that open as well just to, to make this as seamless as possible but yeah, absolutely january 1st uh, we go to the new app and and i expect that your experience uh, which we know is the number one root of frustration it's not the 50 cents an hour it's the use of the app is it, the, the parking frustration so we wanted to nip that in the bud first and so anyway just make sure you and your friends and if you travel anywhere anywhere in florida really go to new orleans uh, anywhere you probably already have this app on your phone. It's called Park Mobile. It's a little green and white uh, P uh, app. So uh, just make sure you check your phone while you, when you get to the office. And um, that, yeah, that'd be great. And I know it'll be a, a, a definitely a, a better experience for you downtown. When when is the uh, parking changes stuff going to come back to City Council? The stuff that you and I have talked about extensively. When is that supposed to be on the schedule? <laughs> um, it, it's going to be. It's not going to be in January. Probably not even in February. Um, that, and a lot of it's because we want to sequence this right. We, you know, we, we, I know we will not make 100% of people happy. No decision we do uh, ever does. But, um, but what I think we, what we want to do is 
let's get familiarity with the app. Because again, what did we do? We took the data that we had from the Haas Center that said the number one complaint is, is the experience. It's not the cost, the experience. So let's fix experience first before we get into policy and are we charging in these spaces or is it a dollar or 50 cents? Um, let's get all comfortable with the thing that, that hurts us the most. And then we can, you know, start to phase those things in. So, um, so we don't have an exact timeline, but I would, I would say March at the earliest and uh, probably more like April, just okay. depending on how, how everything migrates. Were you surprised that there wasn't any public discussion of the red light cameras ordinance first reading or the uh, safety, what I'm calling panhandling, but I know you're the public safety ordinance. Like in both of those cases, you had like one question from the council and just nothing. You, you, you talked about the, the 150 foot for like an hour and then there was no conversation at all about these other right. two. Was that surprising to you? Yeah, it was. It was well, not so much on the red light cameras because, you know, me and you've joked about this many times. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. You may not like them, but it's kind of hard to argue against them. I mean, because what are you saying? That you, you want to be able to run a red light? I mean, that makes us a better community. Right. So it's kind of a hard argument to make uh, on the red light. But, uh, yeah, on the, on the public safety one, you know, we, of course, expected some. But but I'll tell you, you know, as someone, again, I, I remind you, you know, I, I've, I've grown up uh, in my family around uh, folks who help the homeless in this community. Yep. And one thing that m- about 99% of us agree on is that panhandling does not help, uh, does not help the homeless. Uh, that's not the same thing. It, whether you're the biggest homeless advocate uh, or, or you're anti, um, it just doesn't, you know, panhandling becomes an issue. What we're talking about here is safety, you know, and that's, that's for a panhandler. That's for, D.C. Reed's daughter, that's for Andrew McKay, that's for everybody that's, that should not be hanging out in the street. And so, um, I, honestly, I've noticed in the last five, six years, this is coming from a business owner and, again, with my own family background, you know, there, I think there's been a little more of a shift now to understand, to start to understand the line in the sand between these two groups, people who really need help and people who are, you know, making $100, $150, $200 a day uh, on the street corner. So, um, you know, I, I think we're seeing that, and that maybe perhaps that's an indicator of it um, that people understand that that this is a um, maybe it's not as sensitive a subject as it was before. But but again, at the end of the day, this is it, it, you're, these are two things about safety, and right. it's kind of hard to argue that we shouldn't be doing them. I will say on the roads, or we should let people run red lights. Yeah, no, absolutely. And in fact, I was actually a bit disappointed because I thought Jen Brer brought up a great question, which was, "Well, can we not do something to regulate the giver?" You know, they're the driver is half the problem. If nobody gave, there'd be no panhandlers, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, got told by, uh, you know, the, uh, the temporary attorney that, you know, uh, well, you know, that's state regulation of those things. We can't touch that. OK, bummer. <laughs> you know, we can't do that, right. which maybe right. would be smarter. Hey, um, one of the thing I w- did want to ask you briefly about is uh, the Malcolm Young gym. Interesting conversation. You kind of made this as a note right at the end of the meeting. And the way I heard it was it's going to be $100,000 to even do the inspection, but it's going to be $100,000 just to make the building safe enough to even do the inspection. Meanwhile, fifty grand to demolish it. Do I basically have that right? Yeah, that's right. And yeah, so forty nine. we have a quote that'll end up expiring with this delay, so we'll probably have to bid it again by the time we will be ready. But, um, but yeah, it's a $200,000 expense to just further assess what, and again, this is, this is one guy's opinion, after speaking to our initial assessment, person, um, which we did between this last CRA meeting and this council meeting you're speaking of. And, um, 
you know, we have a pretty good sense of the state of the building. And, and, you know, I think it's a pretty good indicator if you have to spend a hundred thousand dollars to allow a human being to enter that we're probably not in a very cost efficient way of saving this thing. Um, but uh, they had, I had asked for clearance uh, from the CRA board to say, Hey, well, at least give me an opportunity to go do something if you guys are not going to vote for the demolition. And so they did that. Uh, but I, to me, my conscience is not going to allow me to spend four times as much money as demolition would be to merely assess the building uh, without asking them again, even though they had given me that clearance. It's just in my mind, you know, that, to me, it's bordering on, you know, almost irresponsible uh, to spend that amount of money. And uh, if that's what the CRA board wants, that's what we'll do. I'm just saying, but I, certainly I wouldn't do it if it was my money. Um, and so I want them to, be, I want us to be able to have that discussion and because they're probably unaware of that. Right. I mean, it's a hundred thousand to assess and a hundred thousand to, to structurally, you know, make it safe enough to go in. So, um, so we'll discuss it then and, uh, you know, and see what happens. And, and then the next hurdle after that, it, let's say we still proceed with the 200. The next hurdle is the philosophical discussion, which I'll probably want to have a little in January too, is, Okay, well, let's assume on what is the number that is it a million? Is it one point two million? I mean, what's the number that makes it worth keeping, and is that more important than housing? You know, I think that's the next question we have to ask ourselves. And is is there's a philosophical uh, deadline that we have here uh, between CRA board and administration as well that that doesn't even that doesn't even factor into what you're talking about in terms of cost. So and so yeah, we'll, no, goes, we'll bring it back to them and see what happens. And I, and I like that approach of figuring out in advance, what's your threshold for, for changing behavior? Because otherwise, you know, just waiting to find out, well, I don't feel good about that number. I mean, you know, if, if, if the council decides that, you know, Hey, if the number's above 500,000 or if the numbers, at least you've got something to understand, you know, how close are you really to making a different decision? Then you can properly evaluate whether sinking $200,000 right. into that cost is financially, uh, you know, whether that makes any sense or not. Uh, we always like to end with a, uh, a quick round, bit of a frivolous topic. A lot of times. Um, first one is, uh, do you have a must watch Christmas movie? We're still in the spirit a little bit. So do you have a must watch Christmas movie? Ooh. Um, well, mine's the elf always, but, uh, we watched the live Grinch like a hundred times, which I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, mediocre, but this this past season, I think we watched it a hundred times. This one depends on you knowing, and you may not know, um, actually the next two do. Do you like the new Pepsi logo? Ooh, no, I don't. I don't know. Is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm it's relatively new. It came out in March, but it hasn't really been in cans until fairly recently. So uh, it's they put the logo. The script. Well, I guess my answer is no. Then okay, <laughs> you don't you you don't like it because you haven't had a chance to see it yet. That's fair. Uh, and then the last it. one well, is then, yeah, branding. And this is just a little bit of it. You might not, might not know, but there's a thing called smooth scrolling or motion scrolling that when you're watching your TV, it has they call it the soap opera effect. Uh, it's your TV filling in the frames to make it look what they say is more authentic. Do you like that effect or not like that effect? Uh, I actually kind of like that effect. I mean, uh, you know, I know this is not what you're talking about, but I always think about like the extreme example of like the office uh, camera work, you know, that right. uh, makes it seem more authentic. I know it's not that, but I'm just, uh, but no, I like it. I like, you know, I think that's good. I know, yeah, I know more challenges about. to our friendship. Okay, fair enough, though. You know, that's fine. That's why you know we like to ask because difference of opinion makes a lot of a lot of flowers in God's garden. Like, that's the way I like to like, look at it. Uh, what millimeter? What millimeter of film do you like <laughs> on your show? DC Reeves, the mayor of Pensacola, sir. As always, a pleasure. Uh, thanks for the time. We we'll look forward to talking to you again next week in the new year.
All right, thank you, sir. Absolutely. 554 on News Radio 92.3. And, um, you know, it is funny. We, that was our frivolous topic yesterday. I was talking about that smooth scrolling effect and our smooth motion effect, motion smoothing, which it's, again, it goes by all these different names based on which TV brand basically you have. And I had somebody tell me, oh, thank you for telling me I could turn that off. <laughs> some, some people I know had no idea what we were even talking about. And other people were like, oh, I hate it so much. I just don't know anybody. I mean, DC is the only person I've ever heard who's like, oh, no, that's good. I like it. But, you know, again, that's variety's good. 437-1620 is my phone number. If you're thinking about buying or selling a home or even, you know, like you might be looking at the new year and trying to make some changes. And one of the things that might be kind of nagging at you is the feeling that you should buy instead of rent. Or maybe you already do own and you'd like to buy an Airbnb, like a rental home, you know, for to rent somebody else or just a regular rental or whatever. Um, or upsize or downsize, you know, like things that you've kind of been putting off doing because I know they're big decisions and you know it's going to take a lot of time. And if you're anything like me, um, you tend to procrastinate the big annoying stuff that you know you're not going to like doing, but you wish you could get the result of having done. I mean, am I talking to anybody? Um, well, take a step. Take a step. And when it comes to real estate, the step is call Christina Leavenworth and just say, hey, this is where we're at. You know, this is what I find myself being reluctant to do, but this is kind of what we're thinking about solving. Do you have any advice for us? You know, what can you tell us? Is this a realistic project we're looking at? And she will, because she'll know way better than I will. 723-9158 for Christina Leavenworth and her team at Levin Rinky Realty. Join Travis Thompson with Climatech of Professional Air, an American standard heating and air conditioning independent customer care dealer in the Pensacola area on the Pensacola Expert Panel today at 930. Join in as Travis discusses how you can lower your energy bill and create a healthy, comfortable home. Join him today at 930 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. When getting the job done right is job one, you need construction equipment that's built right. From compact track loaders to the world's number one selling compact excavator, the Kubota construction lineup features durable Kubota engines, more comfort, and the versatility to do it all and do it right. Visit your local Kubota dealer today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit the friendly folks at Coastal Machinery, now with 40 years in the business. Locations in Pensacola and Crestview. You know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair of Swan Capital, Saturdays at 1, to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do all the things you've dreamt about doing in retirement. Don't miss What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair, Saturdays at 1. Firm offers insurance services, advisory services offered through Swan Capital, LLC. Hey, this is Dr. Ben McMillan. I do a show on the Pensacola Expert Panel. We talk about your health problems. Let me educate you about the Activator Method of Adjusting, which offers a safe and effective alternative to traditional manual adjustments. So whether you've been hurt in a car accident or have been suffering from back or neck pain, chiropractic care could be your solution and not just a temporary fix. Join me tomorrow on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Informative, local, dependable. Well, I tell you, you're looking at a mighty humble bumble. It's Christmas, no kissing. Listen, all you listeners. Think of all the prisoners that's in prison during Christmas. Not trying to bring you down, but trying to put you up on. Land it on the table so you're able to put your cup on. No snow, not a flurry. So hurry, don't you miss it. Not dissing you, but wishing you a very merry Christmas. Give up the dough. Give up the dough. Give up the dough. 
<laughs> I, I just I do. I love Run DMC. I really do. 558 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. What was the thing that I saw on Facebook a minute ago where they were talking about, uh, you know, today a kid finds out they're not going to school, not in Pensacola so much, but, you know, snow days is via text and in the good old days, we'd get up at 5 a.m. and watch the TV scrawl at the bottom for the name of our school like it was the NFL draft. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for my school to pop up yep. to officially tell me uh, via the news or the radio that uh, that was the one. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The New York Times is suing Microsoft and OpenAI for copyright infringement. Their lawsuit claims the companies illegally used the Times articles to train ChatGPT. The companies claim the use of those articles falls under fair use. The inventor of the Glock has died, Andrew. The company uh, that makes the handgun announced on their website, Glaston, or Gaston, I'm sorry, Glock, passed away at the age of 94. Yeah, a company that basically bid on the project because he came up with this unique polymer design with the metal slide. And uh, back in the day, the Austrian military was looking for a new kind of weapon design, and he came up with it. A company that produced nothing related to that prior. It was a complete stretch for them to get into the contract. And now, of course, they're like the worldwide standard for handguns. You're listening to News Radio 92.3, WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.